0: We were short some pieces today that weren't healthy and weren't out there. Uh, We need some more help for those guys. Great opportunity for recruits to come in and help us. I'm tired of looking for silver linings. We're miles away and we're this close at the same time. Welcome to the Gold Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer.
1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers,
2: and I'm with Monky. Despite three consecutive losing seasons, the Redcast contract has been extended for another two years. Congrats, fellas. Excellent. Uh, we
1: needed that. That's for certain. We need more time to really develop the program. That's right. I'm also with Mac.
3: I would also like to remind the Redcasters at the end of the season, we will be reevaluating our special teams coordinator, though, because that that, that just can't go on, despite the, the losing season. Sorry, Boomer.
4: <laughs> Boomer, you got anything to say about that? It, it typically takes about seven years to actually cycle through enough players to turn a special teams program around, so I think somewhere oh, around
1: 2025, 20, this podcast should really be hitting its stride at that point. So. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad we got some time to to you know, build this up right with a foundation for the podcast that will really get us over the hump. Uh, well, guys, uh, it's our fourth straight defeat. It's, uh, it's frustrating. Honky and I were able to talk through that a little bit during our rapid reaction on Saturday, but maybe I'll ask Mac if you want to add maybe your just initial thoughts on uh, the Wisconsin loss.
3: It was very painful. You know, the one thing I wanted was to be in the game for most of the game, certainly in the first quarter, and we were definitely in the game for the first quarter, for the first half. We were playing and competing, so uh, those kind of things kind of would tide me over a little bit for a game like this. But uh I'm kind of with Sco- uh, Coach Frost on this one. Looking for silver linings on losses isn't really my thing anymore. At this point, four in a row, it's like, eh, there's this. That was kind of fun to watch. But we didn't totally get manhandled, and that was enjoyable to watch. And uh the running game kind of came alive, and that was fun to watch. Adrian made some plays. That was fun to watch. Um And then every deficiency that we still have is still pretty obvious when you watch us play football. So, there you have it, Husker fans. That's our that's our season, 2019.
1: <laughs> All right, well, that's the end of the show. Thanks, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Boomer, you are in the stadium, right? Uh, what was your sense? I was.
4: It was pretty similar to to what Max said. There were some things that. I think people enjoyed watching, you know, uh, we saw some running games work. We saw, you know, Martinez have some decent play. I think, I think everyone enjoyed how the O line looked, you know, that was probably their best game of the season. I think everyone enjoyed watching that. But again, just like Mike said, it was just the same things that keep rearing their head. The, inability of the team to play a, a full game for all four quarters for all three phases to work
0: again in certain games you you point the finger at one fa- uh, phase of our team and in other ones it's another one we've we've won games nine to six and thirteen to ten here so um, we just got to put it all together as a team just right now it seems like when we play well in one phase the other two aren't as good and, and vice versa so we got to put a complete one together
4: as a team you know when you finally get momentum on offense you have a horrible special team's blunder which you know, puts Wisconsin right back in the game and kind of takes the crowd out of it early and what we've been all season, really. So, you know, nothing really new, but at least the weather was nice and I think everyone had a good time.
1: Honky, before we head into the uh, offensive breakdown, uh, there was a big recruiting weekend, right? We had a lot of recruits in the stadium and uh, they had to at least see some positives uh, come out of that from both the offensive and defensive side. Maybe not across the board, but definitely some things that uh, uh, you can be excited about.
2: Yeah, I think that probably would help explain why you'd have a two-year extension announced when they announced it. it. It helped with a with a crowd full of recruits in state. Also, you know, we got the the one recruit Henry Lutowski from Iowa, yeah. big guy, 3'10". He's a 2021 recruit, which would mark the third straight year that we would get a guy out of the state of Iowa. So that's a I think a real good sign. We're getting Big Ten. Area linemen, guys that, I mean, this guy had to, you know, offer from Georgia and huh. Nebraska, Iowa State. I don't think Iowa had offered him yet, but I'm sure they would have. Point is, we're on the right trajectory there. It's just that takes time. Yep. But you know what? One of the ways to get those guys ready is you start to play them a little early, and we saw some of that this weekend too. We saw Ty Robinson get his first snaps, got about 15 of them. Coach Tuioti was saying that he thought they were going to try to double that this week against Maryland. Um, on that kickoff return that you mentioned, Boomer. Uh, Nick Heinrich got his first play. Now, I'm, yeah, that's a, a rough first play to be out there on, and I don't know what his role was or wasn't on it, but the point was is that he was getting out there too, and that's only going to lead to good things down the road is getting some of these new guys out there on the field, getting some new blood out there, and, and seeing what these guys can do because they're going to be the heart of the program here for the next three, four years.
1: Yeah, good point, Honk, and that I think all good for the recruits to see. Those players getting getting playing time early. Mac, the extension. I feel like some of the national media, which I mean, I get kind of the, the jokish like comments of like, oh, they extended Scott Frost for two years. He's only eight and fourteen, whatever. But some of them seem pretty bewildered by the extension. And to me, it was kind of a no brainer from a recruiting standpoint, especially after Willie Taggart and Chad Morris gets fired. I mean, you just feel like some of these uh, national guys are just not thinking through this well enough. Tone deaf. I mean. What was your sense on the extension?
3: It's kind of funny. You know, we get made fun of for firing a, a nine-win coach <laughs> and going through that too quickly. And then we go uh, and extend a coach we we actually believe in despite his lack of wins. And it's like, yeah. what are they doing? I mean, yeah, you're damned if really you do, you're damned if you don't. So that's, that's I, I think we all on the Redcast and most Husker fans I talk to want Frost to be our head guy for a long time. You know, despite the frustration and, and the, <clears throat> the glacier-like speed of this turnaround, I still think we all think we got the right guy doing it. So, that you know, it just kind of allows them, if if anyone's recruiting against Frost saying, you know, the way he started, you know, that extension kind of go ahead and put that stamp of approval from the athletic department to say, you know, everything's fine here. You know, Mm -hmm. you'd be comfortable coming and playing here.
2: It was interesting. I think a week ago, maybe it was last week's show, I had mentioned that, you know, it's a two-way street here. We support the heck out of this program and everything, but they need to throw us some bones here or there, too. And what's interesting is we didn't win the game. We lost by 16 points at home. And yet because the style of play, I think, looked closer to what we wanted, at least on offense, we ran the ball. We ran the ball really successfully on him. And Martinez got back out there with his legs and was moving around. And even in defeat, I've seen more support that came out of this loss for the team than I've seen in a while this year. I mean, I think people were like, okay, I can see something. Moving forward, now, yeah, we've got to get better on defense, and we'll talk about that later, and we've got to get better, to Boomer's point, on special teams, but my goodness, just having us play competent football out there, some physical football, not having a bunch of penalties again for another game in a row, we're playing cleaner football, it's shocking how like people are throwing their support behind a 16-point loss at home.
4: I'm mostly just annoyed because it took away all of our jokes about Kirk Ferentz extensions. So that, uh, I'm still going to make them, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But just
1: darn it. That's right. At least uh, he didn't get a pay raise. Kirk would have got at least an extra million off of it, so.
2: <laughs> If you are looking to tailgate this weekend, you want to get some catering done, Plowboys will do that. Give them a call, 402-476-6511. Or you can get them at their uh, website, pblincoln.com. Tell them the Redcast sent you. The food is outstanding. They'll cater. Great place to go to. So think about that for your
0: tailgates. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. Um, You're never going to play a perfect game at any position. Uh, It's just obvious at quarterback to everybody since that's where the eyes are when there aren't. Good plays, and and he had a few I think that we can still get fixed, but uh, that's a lot closer to the play that we all expect from a player of Adrian's caliber. All
1: right guys, we're uh, talking scoring explosion here and uh I it wasn't a scoring explosion, it was a yards explosion maybe <laughs> right though. Uh Boomer we talk about uh things like yards per point and and things like that and I think I I looked that up and uh it we had an amazing 23.7 yards per point uh in this game which if you know Phil still that is not a good number. A uh, lot of empty drives, and uh, it's really frustrating to to see that because the offense did work relatively well for good portions of that game. You know, I I don't know how we fix the red zone <laughs> offense, but it seems like that's really hanging us up, right?
4: Yeah, that's probably the biggest takeaway from anything this this season is just we turn out a whole lot of yards for very little when it ultimately counts in the end. I mean, you can get all the yards you want, but if you're not converting those into points, you're not going to win the games. Uh, I think I tell Bill Connolly. Someone had asked him on Twitter. It might have been the 1620 guys earlier today. Like, what would his stats normally predict for our points for this game, given the yardage and the field position we had? And it was somewhere in the 40s is what you normally should score in a situation like we had with Wisconsin, and we were half of that. And that's been the problem all season. Our red zone offense has been terrible for a variety of reasons. You know, some of it's just we don't have the weapons some of it there's been times we've called strange plays that we saw in the red zone the lack of a kicking game you know all seasons have been a been a bugbear for us and even if you're giving up three points that's a lot of points you know Wisconsin didn't always score touchdowns in their drives but they usually got three points out of a lot of them and that's enough to to win you plenty of games
1: I think we I saw the stat where Wisconsin I think they might have scored on all five of their drives within Nebraska territory yes four out of five and and we're like, you know, two out of four or whatever within the side of the 20, I think it was. And then I, I, the 1620 guys, I think it was, uh, John Bishop had this breakdown of the entire season, which was just astonishing. The inefficiency of the, the offense inside the 40, essentially, is, is stunning. And part of that, actually, his point was, is, was the field goals that we couldn't really count on. And we missed another one. It, it changes how you call plays. It changes what you can
4: do. And yeah, there was a stat, I think it was, might have been last week or maybe two weeks ago, I saw where Iowa's kicker has more field goals and extra points this season. They haven't been able to convert, a, you know, a lot of their drives into touchdowns, but they're getting field goals out of it, and they're 7-3. and three. Just scoring points is a huge help in any sort of game. I mean, you can have all the yards you want. Again, if you're not scoring... You know, you're not going to win. It's that simple.
1: Well, uh, Honky, um, another thing that I think was of, of interest was a running game in the 275 yards of run game,
2: right? 187, 188 by Dedrick Mills. That looked good, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that Frost had mentioned here, and we played it at the very beginning of the show, was that we're getting closer. It feels like we're miles away sometimes, and it feels like we're so close, right? With Mills out there, we looked outstanding. Now he only got 17 carries, and we can debate why he could have had more or not. But the reality is, is what we know is we need a couple more Dedrick Mills. At the end of the day, right. Wisconsin did that—they take Taylor off the field and they put in their backup guy, and he got a number of carries. And you know he wasn't as oh. explosive, but you know he could move the ball and and just give some rest, right? And when we took Mills off the field, it was a very noticeable change. And I think that leads to our first question in the Plowboys Barbecue and a inbox came from the Keg, and I'm going to ask this to you, Mac. How do incoming freshman running backs, Marvin Scott and Savion Morrison, impact the backfield next year alongside Mills and Wandel and Ramir and Tompkins? Yeah, it's just Mills,
3: right? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the one thing they have to contend with. I mean, Ramir, we have no idea. Tompkins, you know, it's still kind of 50-50 on how he's going to come back from his knee injury. So, yeah, I mean, they'll have every opportunity to come in. Let's hope their light's out because – I, is I believe it's uh Scott's got the bigger body style yeah. and so that's kind of more of what the mills kind of role is and savion's more of that kind of explosive, a lot like a Wandel, mm-hmm. but actually a running back which would allow us to move you know Wandell more to the slot and outside, which is where you know he would be better utilized in this mm-hmm. offense anyway, so you know they could have a humongous impact and it could be pretty immediate. I'm not sure if those guys are early enrollees or not. Um, I need to look into that but that would make a humongous difference if they could be in for spring that would be huge
2: well so Dave when you're thinking are we miles away or are we just inches away we just mentioned some guys here Uh, Marvin Scott Ronald Tompkins who's already on the team but he's being rehabbed and redshirted right now and you have Mills coming back the potential I'm going to put on the scarlet colored glasses for a second those three guys next season, if we would have three big-bodied backs, where right now we only have the one. And next year, we would at least have three guys to, to go with. Again, there's a ton of development and everything that has to happen, but that's how much that room can change between now and next year. We talked last week about Chris Hickman starting to move over to the wide receiving core. So there's a 6'6 wide yep. receiver, and let's get him on the field these last two games, get him some snaps. Betts comes in here in January and here's a six-two, six-three yeah. freshman wide receiver. Dave, you brought up, I think, was it Omar? Who's the, the one juco? Omar or Manning. Imagine in spring ball, you could have a guy like Hickman, Betts, and a juco at the wide receiving court. The point is in a fairly short amount of time, those rooms can change quite a bit. Right. That's and to me that's where you start to look at what Frost talked about, are we miles away? Are we are we just inches away? If we had one extra mills on the team this last week, we might have been inches away from winning that game. But when he got off the field, we just changed everything.
1: To to take the scarlet colored glasses off there, Mac, we also know that Ronald Tompkins is trying to recover from a significant injury. Mm-hmm. Uh and we also know that in the Two years now that we've had Scott Frost and his staff, we have not seen that many true freshmen contribute right away. And we also can even look at a JUCO like Mills, who had a breakout game this week. And I, I don't want to see Diedrich Mills run like that for the rest of his career here, but mm-hmm. it felt like it took eight or nine games for him to actually have that breakout game. And so, what tells us that it's going to be different in you know, Week One, Two, Three next year that these guys are going to be able to contribute? Uh, quicker than what we've seen uh, Mills or some of these true freshmen this year.
2: Why does he have to rain on my
1: parade?
3: <laughs> yeah, he's really a Debbie Downer there, Dave. I'm just being honest. I'm. You're 100 percent right. I'm not. Go- I'm not going to put a lot of faith in that until I see him because you know we all felt pretty good about him coming in because well he he played you know in the ACC before you know sure. and he's had a little time in the JUCO ranks and he had to be a hammer and it still took him a very long time really until about this last game. For him to actually look like he's got some sort of feel in the run game, you know, he was juking in the backfield and spinning off of tackles, breaking tackles, keeping the ball high and tight, and making plays downfield. He was explosive like we'd seen. He was his first step is still really good, and he hits the hole hard. But he was finding a hole, which has been mm-hmm. the difference.
1: Some of that is chemistry, right, Mac? I mean, yeah.
3: Well, some of, yeah, and and maybe some of it's the opportunity because Wandell's gone that we get to feature a guy more, and maybe that's something. That might be good for this staff to see as opposed to rotating again and, and, and trying to find all these guys to play this position. Maybe find a couple guys that are really good and, and focus on those guys and get them going. And their hands have been forced because – you know, Mo being gone, Wandell being hurt, Ramir isn't ready enough, and Ronald Tompkins was never really in the picture. So we've been a little thin at running back all year. Yeah, something Dave and I were talking about, you know, before you guys got
4: on earlier, do you think there's anything to the fact that, uh, you know, Wisconsin is one of the teams in the Big Ten that runs a 3-4, and that's what we run too, so it's something our offense is kind of familiar with seeing and practicing against, we're able to scheme against that better than we are a lot of the other Big Ten schools that run a 4-3 type offense?
2: I mean, there might be some validity to that. I think we had... A lot better outside blocking in this game. It took 20 minutes into the game, five minutes into the second quarter before we threw our first side screen. And Spielman goes for about 10 yards, and you'll notice that he had Allen and Stoll out in front blocking. I think there was an emphasis on getting some bigger guys on the outside. But you'll start to see a lot more of what's called the mid zone, Mm -hmm. and that being a play that we can maybe hang our hat on. And, And you'll hear more about that. You'll read more about that. There was just an article in the World Herald about it. And that, that mid-zone is is what we ran a lot of success with in this game. Now, to your point, Boomer, if we turn around and we play 4-3 Iowa in the mid-zone, you know, goes for, for six yards, yeah, you know, that would bring into question whether or not we truly found that play or maybe we just found a play that worked against Wisconsin. I will note Maryland runs a
4: 3-4, so it'll be a good test this week.
2: Hopefully a lot of things will work well against Maryland. Now, the one thing, to go back to my earlier point, though, about – Having Tompkins and those guys, I completely agree 100% with you guys about not trying to hype somebody up. What it's more about is just even having the bodies on the team available to you. And that is something that, as we found this year, there were just points in time where we just didn't have the depth. Whereas, an example, actually, of a situation a year ago, we would have been saying... Boy, if Martinez gets hurt next year, as in this season, if Martinez gets hurt, we'll have bodies behind him that could go onto the field. And guess what? That actually worked out that yeah. way. We actually did have depth that looked competent out there. They, they continued to move the offense and everything. That was an example of where a year ago we just flat out didn't have the bodies. So we will continue to improve just on the numbers of guys that can get out there. The, if, if it's about having big receivers, hey, we're going to have some big receivers next year. If it's about having some big-bodied running backs, we'll have some big-bodied running backs. Whether those guys are going to be any good or if they're going to be healthy or right. if they're going to play right. or you know, all those things that you guys brought up which are totally valid – at least we'll have them. Right mm-hmm. now, it was just frustrating to watch a game where you'd see so much success with Mills and then the second that he came off for any, whatever the reason we couldn't replicate what he did out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: I think a lot of our success, too, with Wisconsin has more to do with how good Adrian was running early in the game, too. I agree. That immediately stressed those guys to the point where, like, well, that's going to be – that needs to be factored in. So once that was established, I think that opened up a lot of stuff. And,
2: Matt, and you said you go how good he was running early in the game, and that's the point where it's like – was he running that good, or were we were we essentially forcing him to run that good? We ran an option, and I mean, you know, I, I'm running we around did. the basement, just loving every second of it. I don't see another one called the whole game. It just, that stuff drives me nuts. Force that dude to run. Use yeah, it, was his like legs. it was like that mid zone.
3: It was like that mid zone run. It's like it was killing him. <laughs> and then we stopped doing it forever. It's like, it, did, did Frost have his thumb over that that play on the call
2: sheet? Because did we forget about it? Dave, we talked about it in the rapid reaction. There was a five-play yep. scenario in the middle of the second quarter where we had the interception. Hmm. We ran the ball with the uh, Mills for a first down. He ran for 10 or 15 yards, whatever it was. And then we followed that up with three incompletions hmm. and punt. Basically, that's when we got a double-digit deficit, and it was never the same after that. Yeah, I-,
1: I looked at that honky, actually, and I, t- I totally get what you're saying. But every play call and situation – kind of builds upon itself, right? Sure. And so uh, I think, you know, you can legitimately say they should have started those two drives with Diedrich Mills runs. I mean, I think that's sure. a legitimate complaint. The, the drive where they had Mills run on first down and then go three and out, one of the pass the passes that you're complaining about was a pass two mills. I think it was one of those sure. screen passes, and it was essentially in that offense that they. I know we don't want to say it, but they kind of consider that like a run play because he's getting outside the tackles and and yeah. it, it was you know it didn't go anywhere. Um So that was a pass play that's kind of like a run play in their minds. So I totally get what you're saying. It wasn't completely void of getting Mills the ball again.
2: Sure. It was just in a different way, and it didn't work. I think it goes back to what Mac was just saying with the mid zone. When you see that working, you just want to see that over and over again. I know when I watch Wisconsin what I don't want to see Wisconsin do against us. And if I was Wisconsin, I know what I don't want to see Nebraska do against us, and that's handing that ball off that mid zone. The guy had 17 carries. That's not a whole lot. That wasn't the bell cow I was hoping. I was hoping for 20 to 25 carries minimum. Mm.
1: Well, another one on that one, we only had 60 plays, right? So 17 carries mm-hmm. uh, is almost one-third of all plays were a, a handoff to Dedrick Mills. I understand you wanted
2: 25, but I, won't, I would— Dave, one of the reasons you have 60 k- plays is because you're going three and out on passes. If you yeah. run the ball and you get first downs and you control the clock, you're going to get more plays, too. It is a two-way street there. The first 20 minutes that. of the game, we ran that ball heavy with Mills, and Martinez's legs were heavily involved, including an option call. And guess what? We scored two touchdowns. We finished drives doing that.
3: No, I hear you. We'll we also that. threw to a tight end a couple times. Yeah,
2: so. if a st- if the staff can't look at that and go, this is the recipe that we need to follow at least the next two games.
1: How much is that from a from a game planning standpoint? I mean, like. To your point of of why didn't we run Mills more or et cetera? Wisconsin did some weird play calling too, right? They're yes. down inside our red zone and they <laughs> throw the ball right. It's it was like an oddly called game. They could have just walked into the end zone. It felt like at that. That's point.
2: exactly the point. As the defensive fans mm-hmm. at that point, you know, we're sitting there rooting against you know Wisconsin's offense and we're going. Please don't run it against us. Yeah. Please, please don't.
3: Please and don't. They, and then they go please out there. Please don't and, motion a wide receiver and hand it off to him because <laughs> we haven't stopped that in seven years.
2: Yeah, and then Wisconsin would turn around and, and throw the ball from the six-yard line. It's like, why are you doing that? I, I mean, like, if I was a Badger fan, I'd be like, what are you doing?
1: My point there is it's not just Nebraska coaches that outthink themselves, though, right?
2: Absolutely. Moving forward, Maryland, I would love to see that 20 and 25 carries with them. And if we can offset some of his carries with hopefully Wondell will be healthy again. Yeah. And if Wondell can step in and maybe take a few of the carries but not the bulk.
3: I'm looking for a breakout week from Ramir Johnson, said everybody <laughs> every week so far this year. <laughs> <God. That's laughs> I heard
1: that Ramir didn't even
3: dress. Is that right? I've heard both. I don't know. I, I don't know. I asked on, I asked on the healthy. message boards and they got all the snarky responses and like, He's red shirted. I'm like, I get it. I just I heard he was in street clothes. So. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's let's actually we've talked for I don't know how long in the offense. We have not really talked that much about Adrian's performance. And uh, Martinez did have a, a pretty good day overall, Uh running the ball. I think he had 16 carries for what, 89 yards. I think he had a really big run, the big option run that Honky's already mentioned. Uh Overall, I think the passing game was was good. He probably. Missed a few, but the performance that we've been kind of waiting for from Adrian, in, in some ways, uh, if we could just finish those drives off, it'd be we'd be gold.
3: He was elusive. He ran strong. He broke tackles. You know the wide receivers were blocking better this week too. Uh, mm-hmm. the, you know the the big runs don't happen if your wide receivers aren't blocking on the outside, and that was happening a little bit more too. So there was there was times when the the offense was really flowing. The line did a good job. The, the, I know a lot of people want to. It's so hard to tell from the film that you get from TV when Adrian's standing back there and it looks like he should run, where if you just pan back a little bit, you might see a linebacker just spying on him, waiting for him to take off, where you know, it's like he has all the time in the world to run. Well, but there's not as much space as it may appear. I agree there's times Mm -hmm. where he just needs to tuck it and go and see what he can get. But Adrian, we need wide receivers that can get separation so he can throw the ball to him. And if we continue to have success running the ball with the guys like Mills, Mm -hmm. Adrian himself – this offense will come along fine. It,
2: it's like the third and six, I think, on the very first drive where Martinez goes back and it's there's at least a, a pass element of the play. And he, he drops back, looks for a second, whatever he wanted to see wasn't there, and he immediately took off around the right. Yeah. Got around an, an unblocked defender, and this gets to the point of like our guys, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's, right? Our guy beat their guy around the edge and... J.D. Spielman had a great block out there. Mm. The combination of all that, that was a, that's a great play. That's a scary play for a defense because you defended it well. There was some pass initially in it and you defended it right. Now the guy takes off and here's a defender unblocked. Again, another win for the defense, but our offensive guy just flat out beats you on the play. And then our receivers are blocking well and we get 10 yards extend the drive because if we have to punt it then we don't get 60 plays we have 56 or 55 for the game right at some point you got to extend your own drives you got to make your own plays and that was a great example of of martinez extending a drive Mm -hmm. extending a play Mm -hmm. the o-line played their best game of the year probably rush offense specifically i mean there's a touchdown there that martinez had uh, when we went up 14 10 where brendan hymas the left tackle pushes the dude 10 yards into the end zone it's a great Oh, I love it. It just looked like a mean old rugged offensive lineman back in the nineties doing it. That's exactly what we want to see. Um, and at times, because Wisconsin, I think, wanted us to throw the ball out of the pocket, there were times that, that we had pockets that had 10 seconds. Yeah. Martinez could read the entire defense forever. Yep. And I don't always know that that's a good thing because I <laughs> yeah, think, the, I yeah. think they were baiting him into, into some throws there. But point is that the old line, Played their best game of the year, I think, by far, Dave.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue on that. Random thought here. Anybody can answer this, I guess. But our first bye week, coming off of a bad loss to Minnesota, we kind of expected some improvements against Indiana. And I don't know if we really saw that much. It does feel like with this bye week, even though Wisconsin was a tough opponent, we did see some some real improvement in certain things. Offensive line had their best game run games better. Mac, you mentioned the outside blocking. The optimism hockey pointed to is a, a aligned with a lot of these improvements, even though it didn't result in a better score.
3: Uh, I mean, I'd like to think that. I, I will wait until we win a game, but I mean, it, it <laughs> looks it looks better. I mean, that's the really kind of the first time I felt like we put some things together. And again, it's so crazy the amount of things we need to go right as a team to win a game, you know, not just to put yards up and not to have big plays and you know, all the crap that we say that we think we should see a game to win, which we see and still lose. It just blows my mind. But yeah. So when that translates to win, that's going to be great. But it does look like <sighs> there are steps being taken every week. Yeah. We
2: least. had, I mean, this game at the end of the day, we ended up out yarding them by what about 10 yards? We had like 490 ish. They had 480 ish. And the reality is their 480 ish led to 37 points. Right. Our 490 ish led to 21. It's as simple as that. Right. Yards are great. I'm glad that we're getting them. I like the style of yards that we got there. Uh You know, I love the run game being involved the way it was, and there was a physical presence to it. I think the runs that we got, those mid-zone runs, are ones that I can see Wondell running too. That's something, too. It's transferable to different backs. For sure.
3: Like, those are, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's,
2: if you give him that same hole, I think, you know, he'll run through it just the same way that Mills did. But what Mills gives you is that physical presence, and he had a couple of inside runs where he ran through tackles, and that's a great way to use him. And he's also great in that lead blocking when you have Martinez running it up the gut. Our, Our best way right now to punch it into the end zone when we get into the red zone has kind of proven to be Martinez. Yeah you know he's
3: 220 pounds yeah. he's, you know that's a it's a good
2: sized dude at the end of the day we we didn't score enough points we missed some field goals we didn't kick some field goals when we when we would have had chances later if we weren't down as much as we were all those things lead to you not scoring as much as you should when you have that many yep. yards and those are things that we just have to keep getting better at and coming off of the bye week i definitely think we saw improvement on the offense it's going to be the defense that we talk about dave that there's still some work <laughs>
0: It's time to throw the bones. Now, honestly, Sam, that goes all the way back to my time running this offense at, at Oregon. I forget the exact number, but in seven years, we were something like 61-2 and two or something when we scored 31 as an offense. And don't quote me on that precisely, but it was a real high winning percentage when we 31 seemed to be the magic number. All right,
1: fellas, uh, we are throwing the bones here. We didn't see a lot of that out there versus Wisconsin. We need to get a few, few stops. But, uh, to Scott Frost's quote there, uh, we need to be holding our, our opponents to less than 30 points, apparently, which I think, you know, I heard that and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and it, it got a lot of flack, actually. It was kind of interesting. I don't think his, he was trying to state that our goal was, you know, to keep under 30. He, he clarifies there that that's a kind of a point threshold. You know that he experienced in Oregon, where if his offense could drop thirty-one points or more, they they won a lot of games, which which makes sense. Boomer, um, how do you feel about the stated or unstated goal of thirty points, more or less?
4: I think some of that's probably just the frustration of the season, kind of showing forth there. Uh, You know, Frost is an offensive-minded coach. You know, I think he's hoping for a little more out of his defense, and you know, he's right. You know, ideally, you want to hold you know opponents under thirty points a game, and kind of the oddity is we actually. Average-wise, our defense is holding teams to under 30 points a game. Granted, it's 29.9 points a game on average, so, you know, it's not far under 30 points a game. The other discussion we've seen was he talks about how at Oregon, when you score 31 points a game, you tend to win a lot. Yeah, that's true, and I think that's part of the equation, too. It's not just the defense, it's our offense has been letting us down. We've covered that already, our inability to score. And you know, average on offense, we're averaging uh, 25.8 points a game. So, you know, both sides, there's room for a lot of improvement there. You know, the defense can cut a few points off that. If you can start scoring 30 points a game, that's a good recipe for success for anybody.
1: Yeah, hockey, I mean, that, that is really interesting. The offense is only dropping 25 points a game, and maybe we shouldn't be uh, playing much about this defense as we are. But when you watch the game, Wisconsin did a lot of things. They really, whatever they wanted to do, they kind of did. Maybe this actually should be directed to Mac, because Mac, I remember one of your texts where you're pretty much saying Wisconsin owns us, and
3: uh, (laughs) it it felt like when they wanted to run the ball,
1: they sure had a lot of success running
3: the ball. Yeah, I would swear that Jonathan Taylor has some sort of force field protection or something like that, some sort of... It's just ridiculous. I've never seen guys bounce off another guy. He gets small when he needs to, and it's like he's Teflon, man. They just sort of fall off him, and he just keeps going. You watch him, it's like he's not dazzling. He's not blowing you away, and yet I just see Huskers just – Pling, 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 all the way to the end zone, you know? Well, that whole game had a lot of weird tackling on both sides. There were a lot of missed tackles. I guess we have to call it tackling, but that's not really...
1: Yeah, I I saw the stat where we missed like 19 tackles and they missed 18, I think.
2: Yeah, I said last week I thought that the D-line, I wanted to see how they would hold up against the O-line. And overall, I'm pretty pleased with it. I thought the D-line, and I didn't know that Darian Daniels wasn't going to be playing. Certainly didn't know that Carlos Davis wasn't going to be playing. Um, You know, Ty Robinson got his first snaps, as I mentioned earlier. Casey Rogers got out there, so we got some young guys. But our, I think our D-line held up really fine. And and what it is, is there's a transition, I think, that we need to start having when we're talking about the defense right now. That is, it goes moves away from talking about the front seven and starts to move to the back eight. To go back to the quote though about the thirty-one points, I mean this is where you can look at a lot of stats and take whatever you want out of them. I, I remember back in the nineties, there was a stat where if we ran for three hundred or more yards in a game, we won we went like seventy-five and one. And of course that would mean by all means run for three hundred yards. But what also gets lost in there is you played good defense during those games. You did other things well too that can you know attributed to those wins, but certainly running for three hundred yards was important. I think the biggest issue that I've heard some fans take is that it makes it sound like we're aspiring on defense to hold teams under 30, which isn't very aspirational. It's not a real inspiring message to talk about on defense, and I don't think that's what Frost is trying to get at. I think he's just trying to get at the bare bones, hey, Mm -hmm. you score 31 points, you're going to win games. That's what we did there. Boomer, and maybe I'll direct this to you, if we use that as a measuring stick, is that something that transitions over from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten? is is hey we put up 31 points over there when we were with Oregon and we would, we'd go 61 and 2 would putting up 31 points alone would that go 61 and 2 right now in the Big 10 do we think
4: uh no probably not i mean if you want to look at Oregon this year i mean they're allowing 14.8 points a game and they're turning out you know a decent number of points so you've got to have a defense to kind of match the offense i mean yeah 31 is probably a good number if you're scoring 30 points a game on offense You're probably going to win a lot of games, but your defense has to contribute as well. You've got to be able to keep teams from equaling that. Otherwise, you end up in those weird kind of shootouts where everything's just a coin toss. And if you're in those kind of games, it's kind of the thing we've talked about all year. It's just how one or two things
1: go against you and you lose the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is where the the quote gets twisted around a little bit Boomer right in the sense of like he didn't say when Oregon averaged giving up 30 points per game and we went 61 and 2 because of it yep his point was is that when they scored 31 points or more regardless of what their defense gave up they went 61 and 2 and I think that's where
2: that's not being really captured absolutely Dave and that's the point that I hope that we can try to make here is that and it's a more inspiring point by the way Mm -hmm. is that offensively, we should be scoring 31 or more points. That also, is, I don't
3: think it was a hard thing to discover based on his comments. Like, all you had to do was really listen to that. I don't know how this got so taken out of context. Well,
2: and that's the thing. It, However it was stated, in, I think, in the initial press conference, it basically came off as, you know, if we can just hold a team under 30 points. And that is, yeah. again, I'm, I'm going to reuse this word, but it's the most uninspiring black shirt comment you can make. Like, nobody wants that to be the future of our defense. To basically, oh, good. We only hold them to twenty-eight. No, we want to be. Why can't we be a top ten, top fifteen defense in the country? That's what Nebraska should be, and we should as, we should hold those guys to that standard the same way that Frost is going to hold that offense to being a top ten, top fifteen offense. Top be a top ten, top fifteen special teams, Boomer.
4: Well, God, it's special teams all settle for being top fifty at this point. So yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, this. Boomer, that's
1: a good point uh, that Hockey just made in the sense of that the defense actually kind of did keep us below 30 in the sense that I mean we didn't give that kickoff return it was at 30 right there and then there was another turnover where they had a short field which put the defense in a tough spot so you could argue that the you know eliminate those those two plays right there and we probably only give up 23 to Wisconsin maybe 27 something like that you know yeah that that
4: can't be true but i mean would you've had a lot of confidence in the defense stopping Wisconsin on the second drive or th-
1: well they did they did get three and outs occasionally. Um, yeah. but, you know, in that instance, uh, hockey's made the point many times is this team cannot stop momentum or take advantage of momentum. And there was an example there where we gave them momentum to Wisconsin and two or three plays later, it was in the end zone. Hey, Mac, I think I read somewhere and maybe I didn't notice while I was watching the game so much, but this idea of Cam Taylor Britt being more out on the corner and, and Boodle playing more uh inside. Did you see that or is that just something that's gonna be happening going forward?
3: I think some of that has to do with Cam Taylor Britt's, you know, just still a little banged up and a way to preserve his shoulders is to kind of keep him on the outside. And and Boodle with the all the experience he has in the secondary is pretty good at that safety position. At least that's what the coaches are saying, that he's able to make that transition and take that additional physical I don't want to say abuse, but physical toll, I guess, for playing that position. And Cam, Taylor Britt's, you know, just still, still kind of recovering. He's got those shoulder issues. So that's probably more to do with that. Although I will say, I think that's more his natural position. So probably going forward next year, I I would see him either in that nickel or a corner spot. So is it possible going forward that, I mean, next year, since Lamar would be gone, Boodle
1: and Taylor Britt are or corners and say Braxton Clark is a, a nickel or since Braxton's so much bigger would he actually be on the outside and one of those other guys are, are a nickel
3: I would bet they I would bet they put Braxton out a corner and keep uh Taylor Britt on the inside just to just because of his versatility to be able to blitz him sure. and, um he is physical so I'd, I don't know that's a good question and then at, at the same time you yeah, get yeah, all those young guys back, coming though, up though, right? too yeah, oh, Deontay will be back. You've got Noah Pola-Gates, Farmer, uh, just Miles, Dismuke will still be here. So, you know, potentially there's, there's it should be pretty cloud, crowded in that, that back seven. We'll see. Yeah,
2: yeah. One thing I do want to talk about just before we close, though, is that play of Lamar Jackson. And specifically the one play that comes to mind is that pulling – God, was it the the right tackler? They had a, basically a, – a, I think it was a screenplay, and the tackles just coming clean. It looks like this is going to be yeah. a huge play. And all of a sudden, just like a lightning bolt out of nowhere, it gets blown up. And I'm like, what happened? They show the replay, and Lamar Jackson takes on the offensive lineman, basically blows him up, pushes him into the the screen guy, and makes the tackle. It was an unbelievably physical play. And from a guy that, Mac, you yeah, you were talking about three years ago as being the least physical Deion Sanders kind of corner. Yes, without the the coverage skills at the time. (laughs) Without the skills. To see his development, That is a true testament to that guy. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, absolute kudos to
0: him, Dave.
2: Yeah, you know,
1: I mean, I I looked up another mock draft today. I can't remember where it came from. It was different than the one we referenced a few shows ago. And uh, he's actually he was picked 17th in that mock draft, uh, which is extraordinary. The first one was like 21st, so he's gone up somehow. And uh, he was the second cornerback picked uh, after um, the Ohio State guy who had the INT versus Adrian. And the reality is is you just don't see six foot three, two hundred and fifteen cornerbacks, right, Mac? And I looked at the the list of you know, draft eligible cornerbacks and uh, he just stands out on that list as being a bigger, more physical cornerback and he's using that now to his advantage.
3: Yeah, he's, he's finally starting to play like the athlete he is. You know, you're, you're seeing that athleticism translate to actually making football plays as opposed to just a fast guy sort of running around with his head cut off. I'm seeing him in position more. He's fighting more on the ball, uh, like we'd already talked about. He's he's so much more willing on run defense to come up and, and really set the edge and get that play turned in. You know, Fisher's done a lot of good things. And I if you you can point to Lamar Jackson, and, and that's a That guy's a beacon for what you could become in the secondary. And considering the kind of uh, players we're recruiting in in terms of body type, those long, lengthy guys, that's the way we're going to be going. So Lamar's probably just like the tip of the iceberg of what that's going to look like going forward. And now, the
0: basketball. It helps when the ball's going in the hoop. It's funny, you know, in this game, how confidence works. And, you know, it's the single most important thing. If you haven't, you have a chance. If you don't, uh, you're going to struggle out there.
1: All right. Let's talk some Nebraska basketball. And uh, we did uh, see the first victory of the Fred Hoiberg era uh, in a victory over South Dakota State. Um, it was actually probably our, our toughest opponent yet. And we actually got the W. And uh, pretty handily at that, Boomer. I mean, they were... Uh, in control of that game from from the get-go. The offense looked much better, the transition offense in particular. And bottom line, we just made some shots finally, which uh, makes the offense look so much so much better. Do you have a commentary on that uh, performance there?
4: You might be selling the Doan Tigers shortly <laughs> for our toughest <laughs> opponent. But uh, either way, it, it was a game that was actually fun to watch. I think this is the kind of basketball we expect a Hoiberg team to have. And, you know, regardless of what happens this season, if we're seeing games like that or we're going down, we're putting up points, win or lose, I think it's going to be a fun season. So that's the kind of game I've been wanting to see out of a Hoiberg yeah. coach
1: team yep. so far this year. So It looked the way it was supposed to look. Hockey, we have uh, some
2: questions uh, for Nebraska basketball? Yeah, uh, the first one came through our Plowboys Barbecue and A mailbag uh, via Twitter. And this is from Believe in Fred. He's asked us some basketball questions here in the past. And he's looking ahead towards Big Ten play and how we're going to do in there. And he said, what are your early predictions for number of wins in the conference? And has that opinion shifted one way or the other since the season started? And also, has Hoyberg earned his two-year extension yet? <laughs> um, I'll start with you, Dave, the our expert. What is your early predictions towards conference play? And has anything changed based off of the first three games?
1: Well, he's clearly earned the two-year extension, no no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I have no idea, I believe in Fred, because I think the first three games gave me an example of how this team's going to be hot and cold. And if you look at the first two games, you're going to think we're going to go 0-18, or was it 20 games in conference now? It's it's a lot. Uh, they, they didn't look good at all. Now, if you just looked at this last game, I, I think they got a shot to be... You know, competitive versus the the Northwesterns and Rutgers of the of the Big Ten, so really hard to read. Um, in a month, I'll I'll give you a better answer, but I'll probably just stick with my original that you know they probably could win six or seven games.
2: Okay, well then let's move to a question from David McGee via Twitter on our Plowboys Barbecue and a Mailbag, and he asked about what's the most impressive player that we've had so far through three games. That's a good question. And I would say
1: it's Kevin Cross. This is a, a true freshman out of Little Rock. Uh, kind of, was I mean, everybody was late in this class, but he was really late uh, addition to the Hoiberg's first class. Um, kind of unheralded. Uh, but 6'8 guy who's gotten himself in even better shape. And I think he's a classic kind of like uh, 5 in the Hoiberg offense in the sense that he's positionless. He's... Bringing the ball up at times, he, he can shoot the three. Uh, has a really nice stroke, um, and I, I think he can get better down in the post. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would. That's the biggest surprise by far is is Kevin Cross. He looks legit. how About you, Boomer?
4: I really have enjoyed the play mm-hmm. of uh, Cam Mack so far this season. I mean, he's our leading scorer and leading assist guy, and I I think he's even leading steals for the team. So he's been doing a lot. And just, he brings a lot of enthusiasm to the, the entire program. I mean, every time he scores, it's like, <laughs> hey, it's my first time on the court, and I made a bucket for the first time. And that's just, it's fun to have some, like, excitement and passion in this team. It's just something Nebraska ball hasn't had in a while, and it's fun to watch. So He's extraordinarily
2: fast with the ball in his hand, too. He is, cool. he is.
4: And that's something fun to see. We, we've been lacking for quite a while in, in Nebraska ball. So Well, I so
2: well. I guess that the next question that came from Dave was dealing with, other than rebounding, Uh, What are your biggest concerns so far?
1: Sure, yeah, the rebounding is obvious, but uh, we we lost the first two games because of our shooting. And I'll be specific. I mean, the three-point shooting and free-throw shooting was horrendous. And uh, we're just going to lose a bunch of games if we hit... 10 or 15 percent from the three-point line and, and hit less than 50 percent from the free throw line you just don't win games that way so uh, that's our biggest concern those guys have to kind of get more comfortable on the on the court because they're clearly not that poor of shooters and um, don't do that again
2: the last question that came from David McGee was after Friday they go on the road for four weeks what are you looking for in that time and I guess I'm going to Force feed one answer and Husker Hoop Central on Twitter, they've been hashtagging free Shamil a whole lot. And um, we've been doing all of this. We talked about the lack of rebounding and everything, but we've been doing all this so far without Shamil Stevenson. And Dave, what is he, a 6'6, 240 pound power forward? I mean, he would yep, be a guy right. as, as we get into Big Ten play. We're definitely going to need that size of body guy. So I guess what what would you look for in those next four weeks?
1: Yeah, I, I think I just want to see them build upon this performance versus South Dakota State, and I want to see those transition buckets keep on happening, mm-hmm. and, and and you know improvement on the on the shooting. I think if we see that, um, they can be competitive over the next few weeks. And really, what you're going to see there, if that happens, that means this team's starting to come together a little bit better and they're going to win more games just because of the chemistry that's, that's occurring.
2: Yeah, there was a one-possession scenario that that happened against South Dakota State where we got the rebound, threw the ball down court to Cheatham, He catches it, goes two steps, and I think laid it in. I mean, it was like a three-second possession, basically, but it was the epitome of what we want to see from a fast-break offense, easy bucket, transition right off of the rebound everything that you want to see there that's not shooting threes you know that's that's the offense when you talked about earlier a couple weeks ago how I I mentioned like you know the Sadler versus Hoiberg difference you know and and you were like well Sadler Sadler wants to see easy buckets that's what he wants to do you know if he was a the offensive coach he'd want to see easy buckets he's actually on the same page with Hoiberg there the only difference is Hoiberg wants either easy buckets or he wants to shoot threes he wants spacing that yep. one possession was a perfect example. If we get the rebound, get going, and it's yeah. it is exciting to watch. It was cool, <laughs> you know?
1: and, and and shooting wise, the funny thing is that the first two games, Boomer, when we were watching those or listening to them, it, is that they were even missing those. They were missing layups <laughs> left and right, and so it just has to get better, right?
4: Yeah, missing layups has been a Nebraska forte for a while. So, yeah, we're used to that.
2: As Hoiberg mentioned in the audio that we played here at the beginning of this, we're getting confidence and a game like that where you actually start to see the ball going in the hoops. Holy smokes. I mean, what that can do and what that can lead to. I mean, if we can make some shots and get some rebounds, this team, who knows? This team could, could make a little bit of noise and whatever that means. 500 in conference? I don't know. But I think that they can be a tough out against anybody they play if they can make shots and get rebounds
0: Agreed. and now scarlet colored glasses yeah i think they're a team that's in the growth curve similar to us you see them doing a lot of really good things i think they're really athletic obviously the results probably haven't been what they wanted similar to where we are right now i think it's two teams that both need a win and i think both teams are probably going to pour a lot into this
1: all right. It is our bitter rivals, the Maryland Terrapins from College Park, Maryland. Oh man, this is a rivalry going back um I don't know, a year or two, I guess. M- months. Uh, months. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, Boomer, um here's a 4 and 6 team uh, facing a 3 and 7 team. Both of them looking for a win. Uh what do the stats tell us about this matchup?
4: Well, this is the kind of classic matchup that uh, Delaney drew up or, or imagined when he when he expanded the Big Ten to include us and Maryland and Rutgers. This is what he was dreaming of. If you're looking at stats, this is the kind of matchup. If you're a Husker fan, this is what you want to see. I mean, anything you were concerned about that Nebraska doesn't do well, Maryland does worse. If it's like, you know, passing you know percentage, they're worse than we are. Total offense, they're worse. Total defense, they're worse. We're 122nd in the nation in a red zone scoring percentage. Well, Maryland's 127th. Field goal wise, we're 127th. Well, guess what? One, Maryland's 127th. <laughs> oh wow! So, yeah, they're they're really bad at everything. They started this season. It was it, they were such a bizarre team. They started so well for like two games into the season, then they lost a temple and they just completely derailed. And they've done nothing since. Yeah.
2: You know, they were ranked after two weeks. I mean, I, and and Dan, our graphics guy, uh, he has created, you know, m- all the great graphics you see out there, Redcasters. They are created by our good buddy Dan, incredible talent. And he created one that said Maryland put up 142 points in their first two games and 138 cents. Oh, that yeah. is, a, rem- I forgot <laughs> that about is that. a remarkable stat. They scored 142 points in two games, which that's amazing on its own.
1: And one of those was against Syracuse, right? I mean, it was a Power 5 team they beat. Yeah, yeah, it was a Power 5 and, school. And to turn
2: around and put up 138 points in eight games after that? That's remarkable, too, I mean, in, in the negative way. And so it is a team that, I mean, they're clearly reeling, too. You know, I don't know, Dave, What did, what's your take when you, when you hear everything Boomer just said there? All the stats are thrown out. We know what the records are. We know what these teams, you know, how the seasons have gone. I mean, what are you expecting to see this week, I guess, us to just come out, you know, guns a-blazing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, you know. I mean, I, I guess the optimist is like, well, we should throttle these guys. They sound horrible. Um, but they're probably thinking that they weren't horrible too. And so if you go back to our preseason predictions, you know, I think I looked at Maryland as a team with a first year coach and a lot of, a lot of change going on there, but with some talented players. Uh, and they still probably have some of those talented players. Um, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I think we need to hopefully have our defense play well enough. And in the offensive, if they could just execute slightly better in the red zone, I think we're going to score enough points to, to beat these
2: guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they threw a few points on the board, though. If you go all the way back to the Indiana game and the Purdue game and now the Wisconsin game, we've gotten out to early starts at least in three straight games. And so we have been getting some fast starts going. Now, they've led to the three losses. We're not finishing, as as we all know. But, I mean, Mac, if we get a, a fast start here, if we're up 10 nothing or – Fourteen three, basically scores we've seen each of the last three games. I mean, you know, what do you want to see at that point? We're we're up fourteen to to three on these guys. What's what's the next step that this team needs to take?
3: Pedal the metal, foot on the throat. Um, yeah, we need to stomp them. What the heck? I mean, like, let's finish this out in a bang. I mean, we got a little bit of a taste of it against Wisconsin. We beat Maryland big. Everyone starts talking about winning against Iowa, mm-hmm. and I don't care what anyone says. We win the last two games and become bowl eligible. The season completely feels different. Oh it gosh. will change everybody's narrative. So, let's not pretend like this isn't a big game and like we mm-hmm. really 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 need to win this game. And no, we don't need style points because it's it's we're far past style points, but it'd be cool. It'd be nice to see. And hey, this staff has seen this team, this Maryland team. This will be their third time as a staff going against these guys. I think we got a better uh, more experience against this team than anybody, really.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mac. And I, I, I'm. That's my sense is that I feel like if they can get this victory here on Saturday, that we're going to have uh, some momentum going to that Iowa game with clearly a lot writing uh, on it. And if if that can happen, hey, why can't we go seven and six at
2: that point, right? Yep. Amen. Hey, Dave, I, I wanted to fit in one question that came in from our mailbag, and thank you to all the the redcasters that submitted them. But uh, this one came from coworker Eric, and and he's been a very loyal. Listener of ours, and so through the Plowboys Barbecue and A uh, mailbag, I add myself to the season ticket wait list for 2020 because I believe in frost and the direction of the program. Are the hot dogs and runs as a sufficient temperature these days? Boomer, uh, you've been going to games. Uh, you were there uh, last weekend. You know, how have the hot dogs and runs has been despite the uh, the, the play on the field at times?
3: Well,
4: it's been difficult for me this year. I've been low-carbing it, so I haven't been able to have as much of the, the concessions uh, as I, I had partaken in prior to, but uh, I do know ever since Moose has been here, the hot dog and runs of temperatures have been more than adequate, uh, which isn't always equates to what the, the goes <laughs> in the field, but... Yeah, if, if you're concerned about uh, concession temperatures, you'll be perfectly fine. Yeah, I think you're in
1: great shape.
2: All right, coworker Eric. So buy those yeah. tickets next year. Get on that. Way. It's great to hear, Dave, that there's a wait list.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I was just going to mention, uh, Boomer. Could I get the uh, Go Big Red Cast credit card because I was going to get <laughs> uh, us on the wait list too? Is that if that's possible? Oh, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll that excellent. To All right, good stuff, guys. Well, uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and hit some uh, predictions and parting shots. Let's. let's start
2: with Mr. Optimus Honky. I think that we're going to start off fast again. If we get that 10-point lead, 13-point lead early in the in the game like we have in the previous few, this is a time where we just have to put the pedal to the metal, as you said, Mac. Defensively, mm-hmm. we have to get some three and outs, get off the field. We're going to play some young guys. Ty Robinson's going to get 25 to 30 snaps. Hopefully this weekend, I'm hoping Heinrich gets even more than, than what he got last week too, and that's good. Yeah. And and Garrett Nelson's going to start to solidify a role in the outside linebacker spot, and I think all of those things are really good for this game. I'm going to go for us to actually produce the points that are equivalent to the amount of yards that we get, which means I think we're going to get into that the upper 40s. Whoa. I'm going to give us 49 points. Whoa! And defensively, we're still going to struggle. I mean, even with those young guys and everything being out there, I I think that we'll probably give up about 31, so I'm going to go 49-31. All right, that's solid. Mac, prediction?
3: I think we'll carry a little momentum as well. I I think this is going to be a a kind of tear them up and see what we can do kind of game. I wouldn't be surprised if we put some points on the board. I'm not worried about scoring any any field goals, so I'll just say 42-17. Some in that range. All
1: right, that's a good one. Boomer?
4: Oh, this is a game, again. We're at the, the point of the year where stats tell you who you are. Maryland has won one game since se- September 7th, and that was against Rutgers, so that's like not playing anybody. So stats are what you are. This is easily winnable game. We don't do locks of the week really anymore, but if you're, for entertainment purposes only, bet Nebraska if you're getting minus 4 or minus 5. Easy, easy win. Nebraska 31, Maryland 17, let's say. Boomer, what is the spread in this
1: game? Is, it, is I thought it was like six and a half. Wait, it opened
4: at minus seven. The money's moved the Turtles away. It was minus four when I checked before we started the podcast. I'm not sure why, but... Uh, Interesting.
1: Yeah. I'd... Typically, smart money is, is on the early. So, I mean, if they start at seven. I think that trends well for Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'll, I'll say uh, 38 for the big red, 27 for the Terps. Alright, uh, we all predict a victory. Let's hope they that that happens. Let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots. Honky, what do you got? You know,
2: Boomer usually has a, a quote for like, hold my beer when, when someone's done something worse than what someone else has done. So we like to make fun of Nebraska's tourist slogan of uh, it's not for everyone. And Dave, I'm going to ask this question to you since you are the outsider, you don't live in Nebraska. If if I had to give you Nebraska's, it's not for everyone, or South Dakota's, uh, we're on meth, uh, which 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 slogan. Now, granted, they're not exactly tourism slogans. There, I I don't want to you know misquote South Dakota, but
1: you know, well, I appreciate South Dakota trying to address their their meth issue head on. Some other states (laughs) don't do that, you know? Um, But, uh, and it's got a lot of buzz, but I don't know if that was really the intent. But I guess I'll take uh, it's just okay by Nebraska. I don't know. Uh, It isn't for everyone, that's for certain. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, I I think we could do like with our special teams too, like Nebraska (laughs) football, special teams. We're on it, you know? (laughs) We know. (laughs) It's an issue. Thank you. B and B printing or Triple B printing have come up with a few good shirts just based off of that same idea. Yeah. It's Iowa's I, I just Iowa. We're on math. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Even, ah, it's so funny. Uh, you gotta love the internet for stuff like that. Immediately after <laughs> something like that. All right, Mac. Uh, what's your party shot? Oh, I had a proud, proud daddy moment uh, this morning. I was taking the kids to school and I usually let uh, Lucy control the music. And we were listening to this Blake Shelton song, and at one of the points in the song, he says something about Boomer Sooner. And I just immediately boo, you know, just out loud. And Lucy's like, well, he's from Oklahoma, Dad. I'm like, oh, I get it. I, actually, I don't mind Oklahoma. She goes, yeah, they seem like a classier kind of football program. I'm like, yeah, I go as far as like outside programs. I like Oklahoma. That's, that's not a bad one. You know, they are, I think, classy. That's fair enough. And I just kind of look at them I'm like, well, what's a trashy? like fan base or program. She goes, and she just looks at me, immediately goes, see you. I'm like, yeah. she goes, they're trash. And I'm like, they are trash. I love you. You're the coolest kid ever.
2: You're a good dad. I gave
3: her a raise in her allowance and I mean, <laughs> pulled her out of school. We went and got runzas. It was a great day. <laughs> Uh, it's good stuff. Boomer?
4: Well, I'm going to take the honky approach. I've got a couple of parting shots tonight, and actually a trivia question to work into this. Uh, first oh, one, nice. it's just uh, you know, this last weekend I watched a lot of games where a lot of players and even sideline people got hurt in the game, you know, there was two of it, and Tag Leo Vila, and Evan Tattersall from Cal, and the Georgia photographer Chamberlain Smith getting carded out there. It's just one thing to keep in mind, everybody. It's There's a lot of young people that are putting themselves on the line, you know, just essentially for our entertainment every week so you know give them a lot of consideration for what they do don't don't trash them on social media just just respect them for what they are and they're not
2: getting paid anything to do this stuff, so give them that kind of consideration. Hey, boomer. Yeah. I guess I didn't follow up on the the Georgia photographer. The was she a college? Yeah, uh, she was. A, okay. She was like a she okay intern.
4: Yeah, she was. She was unconscious. She had a concussion, you know, and some bruising, but uh, she did eventually come to on that, and it, it was a bad looking hit. Oh, mean, yeah, no but,
2: yeah. oh yeah, right. she was motionless for for
4: a long time that sideline, but yeah, they did eventually. You know, she did she did wake up, but uh yeah. Okay, they was I, I watched all three of those happen live and they were all bad, so it was a rough weekend for that. So, keep that in mind, folks. It, and then uh the other th- the other shout out I wanted to give on a more positive note was to uh Frank Solich uh and the Ohio Bobcats. They had a big victory against Bowling Green tonight, and he is now the uh, winningest coach in MAC football history. He's now the fourth highest active coach in total wins. And can you tell me the three coaches that have more wins than Frank Solich currently that are active in uh, college football?
3: Sabin, Sabin, Mac Brown, maybe? And Mack less, Brown miles. And less miles? Brown active less miles.
4: You had two out of three. It was very good. You guys were quick on two out of three. So. Okay, right, so, so I'm, so I'm going
1: to guess it's not miles. He's shorter. I mean, Mac Brown was coaching back in the 90s in North Carolina. He racked up a lot of wins. So, a little so surprise another... is not less miles. Oh, Fern? Or... We, oh, well, don't, would please don't
2: there. tell me Fern. No,
4: it wasn't Fern's, so I'll, yeah. <laughs> oh, he gets, he gets a six month extension for just you mentioning him, so there's that.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> every time Kurt uh, Someone else out name. there
1: has more wins than Frank Solis. And,
2: and this is, uh, is it a Power Five? Country? Yes, they're all Power Five, yeah. So Okay. He's been there for a while. Brian Kelly's got a lot of wins over... Not Brian
1: him. Kelly, though,
4: no. That was a good guess. Peterson? Yeah,
1: Chris Peterson wrong. would have a lot of wins at Boise. I don't know. Boomer. All uh, right. The,
4: uh, it is Matt Brown and Nick Saban. And uh, number three is uh, TCU's uh, Patterson, Gary Patterson. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's uh-huh.
1: Patterson. oh Patterson. Uh, congratulations, Frank. We're, we're proud of you. And Yep. And 59 of those wins are in Nebraska. Hmm. All right. Good stuff, guys. Well, um, let's uh, go beat the Terps. And uh, for now let's call that a Go Big Red cast.
2: Go big red, beat the turbs. Beat the turbs.